Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Finding other people who have similar experiences with mental health is always a validating experience. Bella Vanek and I have a lot in common. Bella is the singer for LA garage surf punk band Fox Bodies. She ended up in hospital after an antidepressant brought on a manic episode. So did I. We both received a bipolar diagnosis and we both accepted our mental health conditions and are doing our best to manage them. Bella also lives with post-traumatic stress, attention deficit hyperactivity, and symptoms of borderline personality. She found herself in an abusive relationship as a teenager and it severely affected her mental health. Despite these challenges, she's coming through the other side and the role punk rock has played in her journey is immeasurable. That's another thing we have in common. My name is Bella Vanek, and I'm in a band called Fox Bodies. We are a surfy, riot girl, punk band, and I formed it with my best friends in Tucson, including my brother and my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> and we were exes at the time, so that was a bit fun and weird. And now we live in LA. I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the same time I was supposed to move to LA. So I kind of postponed my move by just a little bit. Can you tell me what happened with the onset of your bipolar? I know that you had gone into the hospital around that time. Can you tell me a bit more about what actually happened? I started aggressively addressing childhood traumas that I had that I previously was, oh, I was just a shitty relationship I was in and was very much just like abuse that was affecting like all of my relationships and my brain. And so once I started dealing with that stuff, I was just like not doing well. And then I got put on a couple different SSRIs, which are like 
really not great for people with mood disorders specifically. I started taking those and getting worse. And then I've just kind of always struggled with like self-harm stuff and like eating disordered stuff. And that just like went through the roof and I had to go to the hospital. That's where I like officially got diagnosed. And then they took me off the medication I was on and put me on so many different medications while I was in there, like trying them out and then seeing me get worse and then seeing me get a little bit better. But now I take lithium and I love it so much. It's saved my life. And that's not always the case. Like my dad has bipolar disorder and I took Wellbutrin and that's the thing that threw me into the hospital. And then I got on lithium and I stabilized. But for my dad, he got put on lithium and that threw him into the hospital. And then he got put on Wellbutrin and he was on that for like years and years and years. What you're saying is very close to what happened to me as well. Onset of bipolar, SSRI, escalated into mania. And I was also dealing with childhood sexual abuse at the time and, and memories of that. And then ramping up with the medication and these memories were kind of converging into this, let's say, a shitstorm. Do you remember when you first started knowing something was going wrong? I don't know about you. First of all, that's wild. I haven't heard of... I mean, I obviously talk about mental health and mental illness a lot with people, especially like trauma stuff, but I haven't like met anyone who had that very similar uh, situation to me. So that's cool. And also I'm sorry. Honestly, once I got diagnosed, I just started reflecting on my whole life. I don't even remember a time where I wasn't experiencing some sort of symptom for it. I remember one of the only times I... Well, one of the first times I got in trouble as a kid was because my brother was like mad at me for doing something. And I just started yelling at him like, I'm sorry, I hate myself. I didn't mean to do this. I just wish I would die. I think I was in like first grade when that happened. And then I got in trouble because my mom had this sit down talk with me and was like, why, what are, what's happening? Also every day in first grade, I got a bloody nose before school because I was just like so anxious about going to school, even though I liked it. Self-harm stuff and eating disordered stuff, that stuff is all kind of comorbid. So it's not that I necessarily thought I had bipolar disorder. In fact, it was like my biggest fear because of the way I saw my dad struggling and interacting with other people. Now that I look back, I can see it in everything. All like first memories. Some people, when they get a diagnosis of bipolar or any other mental health condition, they consider it a blessing. Now they know what's going on. They can explain past behavior and they can manage it or at least try to. And some folks consider it to be a curse. Oh my God, I've got this now. What do I do with my life? How do I manage? Where do you sit on that? I think it can change. I think for the most part, I'm the first one. So... I went into the hospital because I very much wanted to die. And then I got diagnosed with this thing that was my absolute worst fear. And I was grateful I was already in the hospital because I really wanted to die. Like my initial reaction was, I'm going to be a huge burden on everybody that I know. And I'm not going to have a good life. So I would love to just like end this now. 
that honestly continued after I got out of the hospital. I still wasn't okay with it, but as time has gone on, definitely love having a diagnosis because like you said, it gives me sort of an understanding of how to treat what I'm experiencing. And I think more than anything, it's kind of just validating for me because I was like, is everyone experiencing this? Is everyone having this hard of a time and they're just doing way better than me? Like they're just managing better. They don't have to not eat, cut themselves or run away from people and like not respond to anyone for like days or weeks at a time I didn't get it and then getting that diagnosis along with eating disorder diagnosis and PTSD diagnosis I didn't get a borderline personality diagnosis but my psychiatrist said that I have most of the characteristics for it but just not enough to actually warrant a diagnosis and a lot of overlap between the two, BPD and bipolar. There's so much overlap there. Yeah. Obviously two separate conditions, but at the same time, often they're either mistaken for each other or there's a blend. Yeah. And I think my blend is mostly because with bipolar disorder, you're dealing with a lot of long-term mood stuff. I sort of go through pockets of that, but for the most part, a lot of my issues are like day-to-day which is closer to like borderline personality disorder. Do you feel like you're having what's called mixed states where you're having manic symptoms and depression symptoms day by day? Some people actually even have it hour to hour. Yeah, that is most of the time what my mood is. I actually got diagnosed with ADHD this year. (laughs) Me too. Yeah, Yeah. really? (laughs) We're the bipolar ADHD club. Are you taking Adderall or anything like that? I'm taking a non-stimulant. One of the things that I always remember is just how different each person is in relation to the medication. You were saying that your dad uh, uses Wellbutrin, and that's really good for him. And I used it, and it was horrible. It really depends. From my experience, what I've seen in the people that I've talked to, I run a support group for bipolar as well, so I'm seeing lots of people every week. And a lot of them say that the ones that seem to be very reliable is mood stabilizers, lithium, lamotrigine. And that's been really good for me. I think I had Lamotrigine first because my psychiatrist didn't really want to put me on lithium because of all of the long-term complications it can cause. But I was like, it was like either I die now or there's complications later. So you mentioned going into hospital wanting to die. It sounds like you were at one of your lowest points in your life. What was happening around that time? What was the trajectory of going from feeling really shit to kind of ramping up? I think Prozac was one of them. Wellbutrin and Prozac were the ones that just made me feel absolutely nuts. So I've got PTSD, right? And then I'm dealing with that. And I had a boyfriend at the time. So I was like, struggling with any sort of trust with men, any sort of intimate or sexual connection. It was like traumatizing over and over again, just trying to like power through it and like sort of ignore it. And I told him about, I I think I said it like, 
I was in a relationship with my teacher in high school for three years of my high school experience. The reaction that he had, just specifically the look on his face, I was like, oh, this is like not normal. And I knew it wasn't normal because I couldn't tell anyone, but he's looking at me with pity, not why'd you do that? It was very much like, Jesus Christ, I'm looking at someone who has trauma who has been abused and I was like that's not me that's not what I'm dealing with and so I think that kind of kicked it off and then I was dealing with the PTSD and I didn't have any good coping skills because I was lying to everyone for my entire life about whether I was like doing okay or not because I couldn't not be okay because and then it was like well why aren't you okay and then I would have to tell someone about my teacher and then my teacher would kill himself because that's what he told me he would do if I ever told anyone. I didn't have any good coping skills and I couldn't see a therapist because I was afraid that if I told them, they would report him. So I just was trying to deal by like not eating or throwing up or cutting myself or going for really long runs, which is a good coping skill, but isn't a good coping skill when you're not taking care of yourself. Also, it's just like another way to hurt yourself. So I think all of those things are like really bad for your brain and your mood and your blood sugar and everything. It just puts a lot of stress. And then I'm pretty damn sure that that's what like threw me into dangerous period of bipolar disorder when mania and depression clash. You can be manic for this amount of time and then over here you get depressed. The in-between, that's the most dangerous point. That's when like most people who have bipolar disorder, if they're going to commit suicide, if they're going to do it, it's usually around that time because you're depressed enough to think that you shouldn't live anymore, but you're manic enough to actually act on it because usually when you're depressed, you don't actually act on it. So I just felt like I was experiencing both at the same time. It was like months and months of, I wasn't sleeping at all. I wasn't eating. I, I was like exercising and going and like working and going to school and doing band stuff, which was just like me talking about PTSD stuff all the time, talking about my trauma and just like not actually dealing with it. And then I got an incredible therapist who like really helped me with that stuff. And I did EMDR which all of like therapy stuff is, is so good in the long run. Well, I'm doing the work, but I also like need to be able to throw up after I eat if I'm going to be doing all this work because I don't have any other coping skills. So yeah, it was just like a constant sprint and fog at the same time. <laughs> How old were you when you had the relationship with your teacher? Uh, it started when I had just turned 15. Okay. Looking back now, do you see some of the manic symptoms contributing to that? Not really. I think if anything, it was more that I didn't have like a father figure or a really like male support system. So I grew up with my mom and my brother and I had a stepdad for a while, but not when I started stuff with my teacher. I really think it was just 
I felt drawn to him and like I wanted to be closer to him because he was giving me attention and I really liked that and I really needed that and then it escalated to a point where I just wanted to do like whatever I thought he wanted because I just wanted to keep him in my life and I loved the feeling that I had when I was making him happy, making him feel seen or like connected to me or whatever. When you are writing songs for the band, do you find that those come out naturally, those songs and those lyrics? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Our band actually started because I worked at a movie theater with our drummer right when I was opening up all this stuff and I knew he played the drums. And so I was like, can you come over to my house? I have a drum kit. Can you come play the drums and then I can like play the guitar and scream over it. I don't really have anything to say. I'm just very upset all the time. And then it became one of my greatest coping skills, which is cool. It feels like absolute therapy for me. When I got the email about this podcast, I was like, this is exactly exactly what I'm going for all the time. It was a huge part of why I'm still alive and the way that I comprehend things now and cope with stuff so yeah everything I write is very much only what I'm feeling at the time do you find that with your mood cycles that when you're playing songs that there's a different approach based on being high or low (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's pretty frustrating sometimes honestly because we'll practice and and I'll have all of this stuff that comes out and that is great and everyone's like oh I love this and then it will be honestly like six months of me being like I don't know what to put here I don't know how I've ever written a single song in my life (laughs) so yeah there's a definite clear up and down and I think part of it is just kind of normal life stuff of like "Eh, I don't really have anything to sing about right now but yeah I guarantee there's aspects of bipolar stuff that play into it What's it like being on a label that put out all these amazing bands, Heavens to Betsy and Excuse 17, Slater Kinney, Bikini Kill? It's pretty surreal. The reason I started playing music is because I was starting to like freak out and be down in the dumps and then be manic. was really starting to deal with all that stuff. Then I watched The Punk Singer, which is a documentary about... Kathleen Hanna, like kind of as a whole, but a lot about Bikini Kill. I was like, holy shit, dude, this is so cool. And then I started listening to Sleater Kinney and Bikini Kill. And I listened to Sleater Kinney for a full year. 
I didn't listen <laughs> to anything else except Sleater Kinney for actually a full year and totally changed my life. It sounds like the town that you grew up in wasn't very conducive to folks with mental health issues either. Maybe it wasn't something you could talk about. No way. No way. I didn't know a single person who was at least talking about dealing with that. My mom had a lot of anxiety when I was growing up, but it's not like she would talk about it very often. It was mostly just she would like have an anxiety attack and I would have an anxiety attack about her having an anxiety attack. And then it would sort of be over. I feel this weird responsibility to talk about it and let other people know what it's like to be on this side of things because I need to advocate for the other people that feel the way that I do because I mean when I like got diagnosed with everything I was trying to talk to my dad about it and there's a lot of stuff that he just straight up lied to me about. I was telling him that I was suicidal and like really still didn't want to be alive and felt like a burden and he's pretty religious that whole side of my family is Mormon. And so he was just like, yeah, I've never, ever, ever thought about that. I've never wanted to kill myself. None of that, never wanted that. And then my mom was like, that's not true. He was hospitalized while we were together. And then a few years later, he told me like, yeah, you know, like I, I did experience those things. And I just was like, I, I don't understand why you would lie about something like that to someone who's experiencing it because it would have been really comforting for me. It would have helped me a lot. The video for BPD, the song is, I thought hilarious because I grew up on the suicidal tendencies. And so <laughs> to see the spoof of, of institutionalized with the bandana on and doing that sort of Mike Muir, weird spoken word, ramble thing. <laughs> the walk. <laughs> the walk, yeah. So how did that come about? You know, it came about in a way that is like, so incredibly fox bodies that like I never actually know how things where things exactly start I feel like most of the time things start as sort of a joke or like a what if and then we all just like keep playing on it until we're like oh well, I guess we're doing it I guess it's made so I can't really remember who like exactly pitched it at first but I just remember one time at band practice one of the three of them was like we have to watch this music video. I want to make a parody for this music video. We all watched it and we were dying laughing. Yeah, and then it just happened. I, I don't really remember all of the details, but it's usually kind of how it goes. I thought it was so cool when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it, it is cool. <laughs> all I wanted was a Pepsi. <laughs> yes, did you know right away? Uh, I didn't really see the connection between your band and that band because that band's old like I am. And uh, But yeah, as you came walking out, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> it was very cleverly done with the background and stuff. So it was hilarious. Thank yeah, you. Good, good work on that one. <laughs> You're talking a lot about your issues around anxiety and abuse and PTSD. and I wanted to figure out how to talk about all of my stuff without it just being about bipolar disorder or just about PTSD. And so I think it was just like, this is how I feel. And a lot of the stuff for borderline is interpersonal. And a lot of it is self doubt and self like hatred and stuff like that. And then you like lash out at other people. And that whole song is really just 
during the spoken parts, me talking about how much I need for someone to be there directly speaking about my teacher, this relationship where in the spoken word, I, I'm just like, do you love me? Because I, I can't really tell if you care about me. I really care about you. You're like literally everything to me. But you act like you don't like me. And honestly, it like makes me really hate you, which is confusing. And then it goes into like the chorus where I'm just like screaming and stuff, which is sort of a good representation for me. It seems sort of random when I when I actually break down lashing out but it's not I don't really lash out in the same way that people with a typical version of borderline do a lot of people with borderline lash out are really mean or something to people that they love and I most of the time get so irritated with people that I love that I like turn it back on myself and I'm like convinced that it's something that I'm doing or I'm so annoyed that I have such high expectations of people that I can't just be happy. So that's kind of what those choruses are for me. We do have a song, Hospital. It's not so much about the experience of having mental illness, but it's literally just about what it's like to be in the psych ward. For someone who's going through crisis and being diagnosed, especially a young person who's coming up and dealing with this stuff, what would you say to them? I mean, I guess my biggest thing is just don't ignore it because it really doesn't go away. And even if it is some sort of temporary thing and, and you don't have this diagnosis and or like trauma that we've been through, even if it's little stuff, like you find yourself being really sad for three months. People go through depression and don't really know what it is and don't talk about it and it just doesn't seem good for anyone because then your friends and family are worried about you and don't really know what's going on and you don't know what's going on. And if you talked about it with someone, they might be able to help you figure out what's going on. I just think that we should all be talking about this so much more than we are because it's such a huge part of so many people's lives. At least find one person you can talk to about it because it makes it way less unbearable. You can't leave me. You can't, because I can't stop. Because I'm a coward. I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm a coward, but I cannot stop. You can't leave me, because I'm a coward. Do you even love me anymore? Because I feel like you hate me. And I think I might hate me. I think I hate me. I can see. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care.
Take care and be well.